You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We have been in a series called Sam, You Are the Man. Uh, core value. Sam, Sam's been paying attention. If you haven't been paying attention, you can go back onto our YouTube channel and listen to the seven installments of, of the series. Uh, we have um, defined seven core values that we as a church are endeavoring to embody. If you remember early on in the series, I talked about the difference between embodied values and espoused values, right? So espoused values are values that we want to carry, values that we say that we are endeavoring to carry, um, but doesn't necessarily mean that we do carry. Now, embodying values are values that we actually live out. Now, it, it is great to be espoused to values. We need to have values in order to be able to live them out. But if we aren't living them out, what we see between espoused values and embodied values is an integrity gap, right? And so it's just, it's just like if you're not walking like you're talking, that shows a little bit of lack of integrity, correct? And so in, in this, we are, are saying as a church, this is who we want to be. These are the biblical foundations for us as a people, and, and this is what we want to project to the world. And so in that, it's also we want to equip this body of local believers to not only carry these values, but live these values out. And, and I want to tell you that these values aren't just um, unique to us as a church. These are kingdom values. These are values we believe that Jesus promoted through his ministry, through his life, through his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, that these are the values that Christ would have us carry as a people. And so our hope is not only to have a seven-week series on these seven values, post these seven values onto our website so we can say, hey, these are our values. Our hope is that as a people, that we not only subscribe to these values, but that we will do all we can as the people of God to allow Jesus to transform us, uh, allow Jesus to uh, uh, imprint these values into our being so that we can live them out. Does that sound good? Are you sure? Okay. So we are on our, our seventh value. This is our last value that I will be presenting. Um, and then Brett will do a little bit of a recap next week. So our, our seventh value is, let's do a drum roll because I've been doing that with you guys. Our seventh value is sending out, right? Sending out. And so this is what that means to us. God has commanded us to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, listen friends, to everyone, everywhere. So God has commanded us to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone, everywhere, we send empowered and equipped disciples of Jesus into the world. Every member of our community, listen friends, is a missionary every day. So this is the value that we carry as a church. And it is our hope that even though we might not be living this out today, that as we mature as a body of believers, as you mature as a follower of Jesus, that you understand that you are an, an empowered, equipped 
disciple of Jesus, who Jesus is sending into the world to be a missionary every day. This is the heart of Jesus um, for us and our church, but not just our church, for his church, the greater church. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Okay. So listen, it is no secret that Jesus, friends, is a sender. It is no secret. If you have been following Jesus for two minutes, you should know that, that Jesus is a sender. He sent someone to you to tell you about Jesus, right? And so however that worked out in your life, someone was sent for Jesus to speak to you about, about him. And, and Jesus is, is the sender of all senders. And yet somehow, I think when it comes to this thing of being sent out by Jesus, we all get surprised and all get upset when, when, when we get that summons in the mail, like jury duty, right? You're all citizens, and, and, and if you get just the, 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 and you get upset, like, gosh, I, I hate, why, Vanessa just got one. She's like, why is it always me? Right? I was like, because you're a special citizen. When I go in there, they're like, nope. <laughs> like, like, not that guy. But is, is somehow being sent is this thing that we, we are surprised by, this thing we fear, this thing that we wrestle with, that God wants to use us, that God wants to send you, he wants to send me into this world that he has placed us in for such a time as this. And so even like when we get that jury summons, it is our duty but I wanted to make it more than just a duty because I think sometimes when it comes to duty, we think that we can just take it or leave it, right? Ah, I don't accept that duty. I don't know if you've ever seen Nacho Libre. Maybe you need to get another duty. <laughs> Listen, we don't get to choose another duty. We are called to be sent people. God is sending people and it's only his people, right? It is his people that he is sending. Um, uh, so listen, Jesus wasn't only a sender, but he was an equipper. And I think this is probably the biggest difference between the reality of church today and Jesus' ministry. Jesus didn't just send out unequipped people to do miraculous things. He equipped them. He equipped them to do that which he had called them to, which was to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, right, to all nations. And Jesus um, did this in a, in, in a very significant way. So he did his, his way of equipping disciples for evangelism was this. He did it through verbal teaching, right? He, he would sit with them and teach them. So he, he would walk them through the theology of going and being spokespeople for, for God, right? For being the messengers that God was sending into the world. He would, he would teach them through parables. He would tell them stories that they could relate to. Uh, he would read them the Old Testament uh, prophets and be able to show this is, you know, like Isaiah and say, I'm sending you out. Who will go for us? Here I am, Lord, send me. You know, Jesus would teach them. And so they, they were able to digest the teachings of Jesus. But he didn't just leave it there. Jesus then would demonstrate, right? He would take them with him. I'm going to show you now what we just spoke about. And then he would go into Judea and, and Jerusalem and to Galilee and to all of these places that he was ministering. And he would take his disciples with him and they would watch him. And he would demonstrate what it looked like to be someone who was sent 
to be a messenger of God. And then he did something amazing. Then he would say, now you go do it. I've taught you. I've taken the time to massage this into you. And I've gone and I've shown you. And this is what I love about Jesus' ministry. This is something that I've tried to endeavor to do as a leader in my life. Is I never want to ask anyone to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. Right? And so it's, it's the same with Jesus. Jesus has never asked us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. And I really want us to think about that. This is God. God on earth. Jesus, the son of the living God, Emmanuel, would never ask us to do anything. Listen, friends, that he wasn't willing to do himself. That is humbling for me to know that nothing that Jesus asked him to do, that he wasn't willing to do. Um, so this is the, the pattern of equipping we see in Jesus' ministry, right? We see verbal teaching, we see demonstration, and we see the sending. Unfortunately, I believe in, in, in the church today is we don't see that complete picture of equipping today. I, I think we get tons of teaching. And I, I think, I don't, I believe the church in America is probably overtaught if you can be that. If, I mean, I don't even know. That's probably a bad thing to say. But, I mean, just think about this. We have access to the greatest theological minds of all time through books, through podcasts, through websites, through recordings. I mean, you can go and hear sermons from amazing men. I mean, I, I, when I was in um, Atlanta, I, I sat in um, Ebenezer's Tabernacle and sat in the sanctuary where Martin Luther King used to preach, and there's just recordings of his preachings just going. I mean, and I'm just sitting there in tears just listening to this man preach, like, what the heck? Like, this is amazing. Like, listen, friends, we, we are not an undertaught people. At least I don't believe we are. And so I think where maybe the lack is in the church today is with the latter two portions of equipping, which is demonstration and the sending. Demonstration of actually being, coming alongside one, someone and watching them do what they have actually preached. Especially in this area of preaching the gospel and going into all the world. Are you with me? I believe the church verbally um, teaches about the preachings of the gospel, about evangelism, and about going. I believe we get that portion of the equipping. But I wonder how many believers actually go out and practice, listen friends, practice evangelism. How many, how many believers actually go with a mentor or with a leader and, and, and actually are able to come alongside and watch someone do the thing that they've actually preached about? How many followers of Jesus go uh, um, to, to, to um, places specifically to be used by God to, be, to spread the gospel? How many witnesses of Christ actually believe that they are sent ones? I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a big question for us to ask ourselves. Do I believe that I am a sent one? We have to remember that Jesus, first and foremost, was the original sent one, right? John 17, 18 says this, just as you sent me into the world, 
I am sending them into the world. So Jesus tells the Father in his prayer, you have sent me, so now I am sending them. He is only doing what he's seen his Father doing. God the Father sent his Son. Jesus, in turn, sent his followers to complete the same mission that Jesus came, uh, Jesus did, right? Um, and and it, it, looked, it looked very practical. I think sometimes we have... have have made this great commission thing or even missions or apostolic ministry, we have made it this big thing that is, that is, is for, for the elite. And I'm telling you, friends, it, it is, it is Jesus never meant for this thing to be unreachable for every follower that says that I, I believe in Jesus Christ. Listen, um, Luke, Luke chapter 9, and we're gonna, I'm going to run through these really quickly. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, we see Jesus first sending out the 12. So we know that Jesus spent time with these, with these 12 men, right? He, he lived with them. He broke bread with them. He, I mean, man, they, they got into arguments. There was all kinds of things that we see the dynamics of Jesus' ministry with the 12. And so obviously it would be these 12 men first that he invested his life into that he would send out. And listen to this, verse 9. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples. Listen to this, friends. And he gave them Power, can you say power? And authority, say authority. To cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them, can you say sent them? He sent them out to tell, listen friends, he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. This is what Jesus did. He sent them and he didn't just send them and say, yeah, just go do it, try it out, see what happens. He gave them power. And he gave them authority that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, he says this, Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. This is amazing. Jesus wanted them to be completely reliant on what he had poured into them and the power that only comes from the Holy Spirit. He stripped everything away. I don't want you to take clothes. I don't want you to be all, you know, you know, strategic about it I want you to just go just go wherever you go stay in the same house until you leave town and if a town refuses to welcome you if a town rejects you shake it um, shake its dust off your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate right so if someone if they reject you then hey you just shake it off and you just move on, knowing that you have left them to their own choice, their own fate, right? So they began, listen, they began their circuit of, um, of, the, of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So these 12 men he has invested his life in, sends them out, and they begin to do the ministry. Listen, friends, that Jesus did. This is the pattern of Scripture. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And I know we can read this and be like, well, of course, that was the 12. I mean, they were with him. I mean, that, that makes sense. They were his original 12 disciples. Um, Mark 16, verse 12, I, I love what it says about this same portion of what they did. He said, uh, Mark says it this way. So the disciples went out, listen, friends, telling everyone they meant to repent of their sins and turn to God. Right? This is what the preaching of, of the kingdom is. This is what the gospel 
is we share the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died on a cross, and that if you would only confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the gospel message, right? You can pocket size it in a John 3.16 message. However, the, the Holy Spirit leads you to pocket it. It just has to be the, the fact that people repent and turn to Jesus, right? This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And then, listen to this, friends. Verse 7 says this, when Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about everything Jesus was doing, and this wasn't even just Jesus, this is now his disciples, right? It's in the same portion of scripture. This is now his disciples. Um, he was puzzled. Some were saying that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. If you know the history, um, Herod had put John the Baptist to death for preaching the kingdom, Right? Now Jesus comes, starts doing signs and wonders. Now he's invested his life into 12 men. Those 12 men are now doing the same thing that Jesus is doing. And this is what happens. It gets the attention of a king, right? It gets the attention of a king. And so um, others thought um, Jesus was Elijah or one of the other prophets risen from the dead. And um, I beheaded John, Herod said, so whom is this man about who I hear such stories? And he kept trying to see him. And so he was so intrigued by the ministry of Jesus and now his disciples that it got the attention of this king who wanted attention from Jesus. And I'm telling you, this is what happens when people, when followers of Jesus choose to obey and take the gospel to where Jesus has called us to take it. It'll get the attention of kings. And I, I know it can seem like, well, you know, I'm not one of those people. I mean, these people were going to homes. They weren't packing out stadiums. They weren't, they weren't using mass social media marketing. They were going into homes. They were sharing it with common people. They, they, they were being involved. Jesus asked them, stay in their homes, share meals with them. Like, do it organically. And I think what we have, have, have boxed in, this gift of evangelism, in, into being an event. Or even this, friends, or even being a gift. Because what happens with evangelism, if, eva if evangelism is a gift, this is what so many Christians do, and I'm not saying it's you, I'm, I'm just saying this is what we can, we can see. When we, ha we see gifts that are offered to the church, right? How many of you know there is a plethora of gifts given to the church? spiritual gifts, fruits of the Spirit. Like we see all of these gifts that are given. There's this, this, this smorgasbord of gifts. And we, we come up to this gift table and are like, oh yeah, I like that. I want that one. Like I want that one. I don't do that. That one's weird. I'm not going to do that one. Right? We, we, we pick and we cherry pick the gifts that we want. And so somehow I think Christians have fallen into the pattern of thinking that evangelism is one of those gifts. Evangelism is not a gift. Evangelism is a command of Jesus. Now, if we see Ephesians 4, we see the office of evangelist is a gift to the church, right? And so we see that um, Jesus ascended Jesus, gave these gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. These gifts were given to the church. Why? To equip her for the works of service or for the works of ministry. And so those gifts are given to the church. And so we're not speaking about an evangelist, who, someone who operates as an evangelist, who equips the church for the works of service. I am talking about people thinking that you have to be gifted in evangelism in order to go do it. 
Because most people would naturally just say, I'm not gifted in that way. I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't do well in crowds. I don't do, listen, friends, it doesn't matter if you're introverted, extroverted, outroverted, whatever verted, sideways verted. Friends, it is a command of Jesus. And Jesus knows how you're made. He knows that if you are introverted, he knows that you need to be alone to recharge your batteries. And if you are introverted, man, it's okay. We get it. If you're extroverted, that doesn't mean you're more awesome at this gift either. What it means is that we have to understand that Jesus is sending every believer who follows him into the world to spread the good news. To spread the good news. Um, we had an earthquake this morning at 7 a.m. How many of you felt that, right? I heard that from a few of you, right? See, feel the earthquake? You feel the earthquake? You feel the earthquake, right? Like, we, we spread news quickly about anything, right? Nobody's talking about the Dodgers this morning because it still hurts, but it's all right. We'll get over it. I don't want to hear it. You sit there and don't say a word. Thank you. All right. You too back there, Sam. I know what you're doing behind the mask, bro. <laughs> This good news that we have been given, this, it, it, is, it, is not, it is not a an option to share this thing that God has given, entrusted us with. This thing is so powerful. And even in the most organic ways, when it is used to reach communities, it'll get the attention of kings. Because this is how powerful the message Jesus left with us. Jesus didn't left us some half-baked message. He didn't left us some message that was just weak. And it's, uh, I'm telling you, this thing is powerful. It's the power of God unto salvation. It is the greatest thing, honestly, outside of Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit that we have been given is this message. Luke chapter 10. We see not only did this 12 take this message, but other believers begin to take it. And Luke chapter 10 says this, um, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples. Can you say other disciples? Which means that one of the men who were living with him, you know, day in and day out in three and a half years, it, it, was, it was some of the ancillary people who had been following him as well. So it's not just the elite. You would, just, you would expect it from the 12. You know, they've been walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, seeing things. No, no, no. It was now the greater crowd was beginning to minister in the same way. 72 other disciples, and he sent them. Can you say it with me? He sent them ahead in Paris to all the towns and places he planned to visit. So he sent them ahead of him. Hey, I want you guys to go. Go prepare the way. I want you guys to go minister. Go into those places. Do the things that I, you've seen me do. I want you to go and demonstrate the power of God. I want you to lay hands on the sick. I want you to preach the gospel. Um, these were the instructions he gave them. The harvest is great. Listen, friends. But the workers are few. The harvest is great, but the workers are few, friends. We have to know this. The harvest is great. And I know that, that when we look at what's happening in the world, we would automatically assume, nah, nobody wants to hear this message. Friends, I'm telling you, people are desperate for Jesus. Just like you and I are desperate for Jesus. People are desperate for Jesus. They're desperate for hope. They don't know that that hope is found in him yet. We have to actually draw those lines for them. But man, they're desperate for hope. They're desperate for breakthrough. They're desperate to, for their life to have meaning. And I'm telling you, it's found in Jesus. 
The harvest is great. The workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. This is what we need to be praying for. And I believe it's, it is good for us to pray for those who don't know Jesus. We, it is biblical for us to pray for the lost. But I'm telling you, we equally need to be praying for workers to be activated. We need to be praying for the workers to be sent out. He says, now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Listen, friends, Jesus never said it was going to be easy. And I'm not standing up here telling you guys, man, it's easy. You just go and you just preach the gospel and it's going to be awesome. I'm telling you, you're going to get some doors slammed in your faces. You're going to get people, you know, challenged in every, your every word. You're going to get people cursing you. You're going to get all kinds of things. People don't want to hear it because they're, they, they're in confrontation with a holy God. But I'm telling you, that doesn't mean that we stop. Jesus told us it would happen. It happened to him. If it happened to Jesus, the son of the living God, what makes us think it is not going to happen to us? We have to be prepared. So listen, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Listen, and he tells them the same. Don't take money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor any extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on your house. You are called to be an agent of peace. And I'm telling you, there's so many people taking this gospel that we have been given, and they're not agents of peace, man. There's people out there, they're just agents of conflict and I don't know what, right? And somehow the good news has become the bad news. The good news. There is life in Jesus Christ if you would just repent and turn to him. He loves you, so there's good news. And then there is the turn or burn, Right? And so we want to submit people. I'm telling you, we cannot submit people into the, if we can have to arm wrestle people into the kingdom, I'm telling you, someone else will easily, just as easily arm wrestle them out. And this is, this is something that they have to respond to the love of God. The love act of God, the, the, the crucified Jesus on a cross because he loved them. This is what they're responding to, Right? May God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. It's pretty simple, right? If you come in, you want to bless and give them Jesus, and they're like, we don't want your Jesus, sorry. They're like, okay, I still have my Jesus. I'll carry on. <laughs> right? that's, what, that's, that's really what it is, and I know it's not that easy. I know it's hard when, when we share Jesus with someone we love, and we want them to love Jesus like we love Jesus, and it just doesn't work out that way. But listen, we, sometimes we just take it so personal. And yes, as personal as it might feel, I'm telling you, friends, we close so many doors on people who reject the gospel, not knowing that those people, we are planting seeds. The Bible says some plant, some water, but it, he will bring the increase. And you never know that you might be the, 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 the seed planter that day, or you might be the waterer that day, but it's not our job to bring the increase. God brings the increase. That's his job. He brings the increase. So it's not a notch on our belt. Oh, I saved another person today. No, 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 that's not ours. That's Jesus's, right? That's his deal. Be with me. Um, here we go. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. So he's telling us this, friends. Be invested. Be invested. Right, don't, don't just be, hey, do you want to receive Jesus? No, all right, you. How about you? You want to receive Jesus? No, all right. How about you? you want, I mean, this is how evangelism looks in today's world, I'm telling you. We have to be invested. 
Be invested. Spend time. Have some meals. Share some coffee. Do life. Watch what Jesus can do when we're invested. Right? Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. And if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you, kill the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But if a town refuses to welcome you, now this is, he goes from households to towns, friends. This is exponential now. And Jesus is saying, this is, this is what's going to be open to you. Not just households, but towns. Right? And, and he's talking now to the 72. There's 72 people who are going out in twos now. Now this is getting, their multiplication is taking place. And this is what happens when bodies of believers choose to walk out what Jesus started with 12. It begins to amplify. It begins to multiply. And, and we begin to use the pattern of Scripture and apply that to where we are today and know that God has a plan for East L.A. And to know that that's not impossible. And that God has a plan for, for Montebello and to know that that's not impossible. For, for Inglewood, for for. Monterey Park for the greater lot. He has a plan for these cities as well. And we have to know that that, that starts somewhere. It starts somewhere. Um, if the town refuses to welcome you, go, into the, um, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. I mean, this is powerful stuff that Jesus is telling them. If a town rejects you, and for these disciples, it was real. When the Apostle Paul, a couple decades later, is doing this type of ministry in cities, he was getting uh, stoned and thrown out of the city gates. They were leaving him for dead outside of the city because they wanted nothing to do with his gospel. Real stuff. Um, and know this, listen, the kingdom of God is near you. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. <sighs> that's, that's serious stuff. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyr or Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Yet Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. I mean, this is things that Jesus is prophesying. See, there's whole towns that have rejected me. If you remember, Jesus walking into places, and there was places he couldn't perform miracles. Jesus, the son of the living God. We can't be surprised when we go into arenas that people reject us. We can't go and believe, um, go into places and just think that, oh, it's going to be wide open. Listen, the world's culture, the Antichrist spirit that is alive and well in this world today is in direct conflict with the kingdom of God. We have to know this. Verse 16, then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accept, accepting me, and anyone who rejects you is rejecting me, and anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. Do we see the progression here? There's a link here. We're connected, right? We are connected to Jesus. Jesus was connected to his Father. And so this rejection that, that we are taking so personal, we have to know it, it's greater ramifications. Someone rejecting me is a lot less significant than someone rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And taking it personal and be like, you know, 
however we feel. You know, I've seen, I've seen people want to get into fights after they're preaching the gospel and reject it. Like, it, it's crazy, right? But listen, it's not us. It's Jesus. It's the Father that they're rejecting. When the 72 um, disciples returned, listen, friends, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when you, when you use your name. So they were operating in the power that Jesus had given them. And they came back, and I just want to make a note. I'm not going to rest on this, but I want us to to make a note of this. I think sometimes we are so much more enamored with the charismatic gifts than we are, listen, friends, than salvation. And and I'm just going to say this, and and, uh, if you you are gifted more in these areas than I am, this is just, just my theological understanding of what... I believe, and I'm, I'm happy to have small disagreements about this with you if this is you. Someone's salvation and eternity is far greater than someone's earthly condition. Can you hear me? Listen to this. They were coming back and they were testifying that demons were obeying them because of Jesus' name. So they were like, Jesus, the demons obey us. Right? They were casting out demons and healing people, and they were so enamored by, by that kind of type of power. And I believe that we should be still feel that kind of awe of Jesus' power operating through us. We should be. I, I hope that we, we are knowing that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and the name of Jesus gives us power and authority over such things here on this earth. I I hope we're still in awe of that thing. But listen to this. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, meaning I too have encountered demonic, the demonic. Verse 19, look, I have given you authority over all powers of the enemy. You can walk them on snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. He's, he's saying, of course, this is, this is the authority and the power I gave you. I mean, I, I, mean, I saw Satan fall. Like, I, I, trust me, I, I, I'm aware of all these things. And verse 20 starts with this word, but, can you say that with me? But, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Friends, salvation, salvation and eternity and the economy of God are at the top. And and I'm not saying these other gifts are lesser than their gifts of God, but I'm just saying, he's saying, don't rejoice. All heaven doesn't rejoice when a demon's cast out of someone. Luke tells us that all heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. It gets heaven's attention when one sinner comes to repentance. All right, let's hurry. So eventually, do we see this pattern, right? Jesus equips, right? He teaches, he demonstrates, and then he sends. We see this in, in, his, in, in his pattern. Then we also see that this evolves from just being, equi- uh, um, from, it goes from encouragement, right? Demonstration and, and, and showing to an equipping and to a releasing. So equipping went from encouragement to direct orders. Are you guys with me? Because if you think about this, once you teach someone something, and once you demonstrate it, and once you release them and you show them, hey, then it's what, what's what's the next thing to do? Go do it. 
Go do it. You, how many of you have ever taught someone to ride a bike? Right? You talk to them about it. This is what's going to happen. You're going to feel this. It's going to start to lean. Don't lean that way because you're going to go that way. I mean, right? You start teaching someone, right? And then you're like, okay, now let me show you. And then you show them. And then eventually you come alongside of them and you start holding them, right? And you, you could do this. And then you start letting them go a little bit. And then you catch them, right? You go through all the motions. And then what's the evolution of that? Now go do it, right? Go do it. And, and how many of you have had people who, who have, like, they've ridden their bike not knowing that you were secretly letting it go? You're like, you've already done it. Go do it. Like, I can't do this. You've already done it. Go do it. Right? And so it goes from being an encouragement to being direct orders from Jesus. Listen, friends, Mark chapter 16, we know these two portions of scriptures as the Great Commission. And a commissioning is far more than a suggestion. And I believe when it comes to being gospel uh, sharers, to being sent ones, to being witnesses for Jesus, I believe far too many Christians believe that this is optional. I believe far too many Christians believe that this is a suggestion. Listen, friends, and he told them, go. Can you say go? Go is not an optional word. It's that go do it. Go. No, 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 go. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. To who? To everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with, um, with safety. And if they drink any poison, um, anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Power comes with those who God sends. It's just part of the package. It's not supposed to be secondary. It's, not so, it's just part of the package. This is who we are. We are empowered men and women of God who God is sending into the world to preach the gospel so that salvation will come. And sometimes signs and wonders are used to grab the attentions of those who need to know that God is still real. I don't suggest you grabbing snakes just to play with them and see what happens. There's churches who do that, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to judge, but I see some, yeah. The Martells love doing reptile stuff with kids, and my faith gets challenged when you're holding up. Yeah, never mind. Matthew 28 is the counterpart of this, of this same message. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Say all authority. You, you know these portions of scriptures. I mean, we plaster them on the wall, for God's sake. Um, Therefore, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Can you say go? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And listen to this, friends. Teach these new disciples to obey. Say obey. All the commands I have given you, which includes, friends, go. Which includes the go. Go. Um, sorry, I love that word, go. To obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. This message we carry, it's not, it's not an empty message. He is the embodiment of this message. He is with us. His presence is with us. His power is with us. He has assured us of everything we need to take this message into all the world. We have to understand that this is a mess, the only message we've been given. I want to give you this practical kind of little thing I wrote up for us, and I'm going to 
continue to fly. Um, so if you're taking notes, you can write good news like down, down the line, and then like each letter is going to be like a little thing. I don't normally do this little stuff. I think it's too cute for me, but whatever. We'll see. All right, G, um, good news. It starts with the good news, right? Say good news. G, listen, you can't preach the good news if you don't know the good news. You cannot preach the good news if you don't know the good news. Study the gospel. Study the gospel. Understand what the good news is. The, 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 Jesus is the embodiment of the good news. Go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is Jesus on earth, Emmanuel, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. This is the good news, right? Study the gospel. And then I want you to do this. Revisit your salvation. Revisit your salvation. Remember how you came to the Lord. Revisit that thing, right? Ask yourself this question. What's so good about Jesus? today. We know what was good about Jesus when we said yes to him, but sometimes that gets lost in translation when we're serving him and we're going through this life and it just doesn't feel as exciting as it did when we first said yes to Jesus. David had to ask the Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. We have to have the good news inside of us in order to give it out, right? Put it into your own words and listen, friends, tell the world about him. Put it into your own words and tell the world about him. Next, the first O is opportunity, right? Opportunity. Say opportunity. Listen to the Holy Spirit, friends. Listen to God as he speaks to you. The Holy Spirit will tell you when to share Jesus. He'll tell you. And I'm telling you, when he's tapping on your heart, and, and, and he's, you're, I, I use Walmart all the time because it's always Walmart. You're, there, you're in line forever, so you got time, Right? He'll tell you when to share, right? Listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you when to share about Jesus. Opportunity, listen, be intentional. Be intentional. Don't just leave it to chance. Like we ask like the, the stars to line up before we share the gospel. Well, you know, if she touches her left ear and stands on one foot, then I know, Lord, you want me to tell her about Jesus. <laughs> like we, we just put all these like things before Jesus. Listen, no, 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 we need to be intentional about this. Right, we need to be the the um, provocateurs. Here we go. We need to provoke this. Don't leave it to chance. Um, opportunity. Be prayed up. Isn't it amazing how when you're prepared, right? Opportunity kind of just kind of happens more, right? Be prepared. Be prayed up. Keep in step with the Spirit of God. Keep in step with the Spirit. He's not going to let you be dormant in this area. He won't. He just won't let you be dormant. He will continuously be provoking you to speak about Jesus. And an opportunity, listen, create opportunities. Create opportunities. Tell yourself on Saturday morning, I'm going to go talk to someone about Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. Create opportunities. Don't just leave it to chance. Put it on your calendar. I'm going to go speak to someone about Jesus today. Put yourself in a position to share Jesus. Next O is obedience. Say obedience. Obedience Jesus, friends, already said go. And if you haven't gone, I'm going to be really, really challenging this morning. If this doesn't rub you right, forgive me. Know that I love you and know that I have failed in these areas myself. But listen, Jesus already said go. And if you haven't gone, you're being disobedient. That's just the truth. He has already given us permission. You don't need anyone's permission on earth to go share Jesus with the world. No one's. No one's permission. 
You don't need mine. You don't need some archbishop of God knows what. You don't need anyone's permission to share Jesus. Obedience. Jesus already said go. Obedience, listen, friends, is an act of faith, and we need to stop letting fear win. We need to stop letting fear win. Where there's fear, we need to step in faith. Faith is the opposite of fear, right? Sometimes we think that, that you know, well, you know, courage is opposite of fear. No, no, no. Some, I'm telling you, friend, sometimes I'm, I'm shaking in my boots when I share Jesus. It's us in the face of fear that we're able to operate in faith, right? Believing the things that we have not seen, believing that someone's going to respond to the gospel. Um, John 14, 15, listen to this, friends. If you love me, obey my commandments. Obedience is an act of love to Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Why is it so hard for us to share him to, with, with the world around us? I'm going to tell you, we share everything else we love. I'll go look at your Instagram. I know everything you love. Your kids, your family, you should love those things. That's great. Please love those things. What about Jesus? We share more about, our, our, you know, things that are not eternal. I'll step on your toes and my toes, sports teams. We share more about sports teams than we do about Jesus. We talk more about sports teams than we do about Jesus. I would go into San Francisco and say anything to anyone about the Dodgers because I don't care. Will we do the same about Jesus in hostile situations? Would we? Would we, would we I mean... How is it that with these finite earthly things, we get overwhelmed with fear? If you love me, obey my commands. Friends, love Jesus more. D, disciples. Disciples only have one message, and that's the gospel. You have not been given any other message. You might be a teacher. You might be a theologian. Those things are beautiful. If you can dissect scripture and pull out all these different nuances of scripture that you're able to unpack things for believers, please continue to do that. But I'm telling you, you have only been given one message on this earth as a disciple of Jesus, and that's the gospel. You've been given no other message. And you might have a soapbox, and you might stand out that thing, and you might be preaching about all this other stuff, politics and justice and all this other stuff. But I'm telling you, friends, the only message we have been given is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the only one we have. All those other things are good. I'm not telling you don't talk about it. I'm not telling you don't share about it. But I'm telling you, if you share about other things more than salvation, friends, something is wrong. Disciples only have one message. Second is disciples make disciples. This is what we do. Disciples make disciples, and we cannot make disciples if we are not sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. N is, is um, so it's good news. N is now. Now. The time is now, not next week, not next month, not next year. The time is now. It says there's an urgency, friends. There should be an urgency in our heart when we look at the condition of the world. Don't delay. There should be an urgency in our spirits. Procrastination, I'm telling you, procrastination is its a demonic trait. When we think tomorrow, tomorrow. Someone else. E, everyone, everywhere. Everyone, everywhere. 
every people group, every person, every nation. If you have issues with different people groups, if you have issues with issues with lifestyles, if you have issues with ra different races, I'm telling you, friends, you need to get over it because Jesus died for them all. Everyone, everywhere, everyone, everywhere. The gospel needs to be preached. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. When the power of God falls on you, you will be a witness of Christ. You want to know if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, are you a witness for Jesus? You will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, um, Ju Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, to the ends of the earth, everyone, everywhere. This is who we're called to speak to. W, witnesses, we've already said it. Same, same verse, Acts 1.8, you will receive power. We have his power, we have his presence, we have everything we need to be his witnesses. Jesus assures us of these two things. We're not witnesses, uh, uh, we're, I'm sorry, we're not experts, we're witnesses. So we're not called out there to, to go out and, you know, kind of argue and do all the apologetics things. Learn apologetics, know, how, know what you, you need to know what you're, what you're preaching. But I'm telling you, all we are is witnesses. All I can tell you is what I have seen in Jesus. I can't tell you what the, the, the greatest theologians of our time know. I can only tell you what I've experienced in Jesus. That's what a witness does. When you call a witness, you call and you come and you give a testimony of what you have seen. This is what you're doing. You're a witness for Jesus. Don't, don't go get outside your depths. Don't, you know, because you'll get scared and then you'll, you'll eject, right? Just all you got to do is share what you know. Share what you've seen. Witness testify to what they've seen. Friends, how has Jesus revealed himself to you? Lastly, salvation. Salvation, this is good news. Salvation is serious. Salvation isn't some take it or leave it social club. Salvation is a heaven and hell issues, and there are eternal ramifications for this thing. I have to land it here. There's, there's this parable in Luke chapter 14. If you guys know the parable of the, uh, the banquet, I've shared this with you in the past. Right? Jesus is sitting at the table, and all of these people at the table are arguing about their position. Right? They want the, they want the place of honor. And so Jesus gives them a lesson on honor. He's like, listen, guys, don't do that. Go sit in the least place. And then if the guest of honor wants you to come, you guys can read this in Luke chapter 14. Um, the guest of honor invites you up to sit next to him, then everyone will be like, wow. That guy was honored. So don't do that, right? Just sit in the most humble place. You know, stop worrying about your position, and everything's going to go well with you. So some guy sitting there listening to what Jesus is saying in verse 15, a man hearing this, sitting at the table, exclaims, what a blessing it's going to be to sit at the banquet table of heaven. This guy's still thinking about his position. So then Jesus has to elaborate on the story that he just gave. He goes, okay, clearly you're not getting the story. Let me tell you about this. There's this man who sets a banquet. You guys know this story. This man who sets this banquet table, and he sends out invitations. And these invita he sends his servants out to send these invitations, and these servants come back. And, and as the servants come back, um, the man gets all of these rejections. I just got married. I can't come. I just bought a plot of land. I can't come. Can't come. Rejection, rejection, rejection. So the master gets furious, tells his servants, go out. I want you to go to the, to the streets and the alleys, and I want you to go and invite more people to come. So they go and do this. They go invite all these people, and, and, and there's still more room. 
So the master says, I want you to go to the highways and to the byways. I want you to go to the furthest parts and I want you to go. Listen, friends, because the master wants his house to be full. And here's what's happening in the church today. We are more obsessed with our place at the table than we are about taking these invitations to the world around us. We're so worried about where, where we're sitting. As a church, we're so worried. We're so inner-focused, and it's us, my place at the table. And actually, I want a little label and a little nameplate on my place because I don't want no one to take my seat. And the master is putting invitations in our hands, and he's saying, go to the highways and to the byways and take this invitation to the world. Don't worry about your seat. It's there. I've saved it for you. I'm not going to let anyone take it. It's yours. Take these invitations. I want my house to be full. I've shared this story about Ray. Um, if, if you've heard it more than once, forgive me, but it's in light of today's dedication and our adoption with her. When we got called about Ray to pick her up or to receive her, we were given an hour to decide on whether or not we were gonna take her in. And so I was, I was freaked out. We have five kids already. We were pretty maxed out. We had already gone through the adoption process with Judah and Mackenzie, and it was hard, and it was, you know, foster system, it's just messy. And so doing that, I had these questions in my heart, was I gonna be able to take on another life, feed another life, be responsible for another life, and, and here's why, I know Jesus doesn't give us kids on loan, it just doesn't happen that way. If he gives us kids, then just the way it's worked out for us so far. And can we, can, can, was I going to be able to commit as a dad to love this girl for the rest of her life? I mean, I was pretty maxed out. I was in South Carolina. I was in a hotel. Vanessa calls me. We got an hour. I tell her, give me 59 minutes to pray. So I, I literally get on my face in the hotel room, and I begin to pray. Lord, can I do this? Can I take, I mean, I'm going to be old. I mean, she's, She's, gonna, she's just born. I'm in my 40s now. It's going to make me an old parent. I was always the young dad. Now I'm going to be the old dad. And like, man, we had so much going on. We're leading a church. Tons going on. And the Lord asked me this. Can you love this girl for one day? One day. So I was like, of course, I can love her for one day. I mean, we can't love a baby for one day, right? And Jesus just basically said, that's all I'm going to ask you to do every day is to love her one day. So I come home. We say yes. We come home, and Vanessa and I have to tell the kids, right, our five kids. So we tell our, our five kids, and we tell them, hey, we're, we're getting another baby. <laughs> and Judah and Mackenzie were ecstatic. They were so excited because this is their story. They were adopted. They knew what it was like to go through a process and to go through all it took to be a part of a family and to be accepted and all those things that they've experienced that. And the only thing they were disappointed in is she wasn't a boy. <laughs> and so, like me, my older kids wrestled a little bit with it because they knew how hard it was when we took on Judah McKenzie, and they knew how spread thin mom and dad got. 
and they knew the process and social workers and you got to clean up and we got to clean every nook and cranny and we got to clean the cupboards and, and, we, and we, there's inspections and they, come, I mean, they, they, they knew and they were skeptical and it was hard. And friends, this is how I think the church is sometimes. It's those of us who remember that we were adopted into something once we were not a people, but now we are a people. Once we were sinners, and once we were bound for a place called hell, but now we are bound for a place called heaven because of what Jesus did. And I'm telling you, so many of us are sitting at the table, and we're more worried about our place at the table than about those who don't have families, about those who don't have a place at the table, about those, listen, friends, and I'm going to be very direct with this, bound for a place called hell. And we have the invitations. And it's time for us to start giving them out. It's time for us to start sharing them with the world. It's time for us to act like the sent ones that we're called to be. This is our value as a church. December 4th, December 4th, I want you to put this date on your calendar. We are starting a two-by-two ministry in the life of this church. Two-by-two ministry looks like this. We're going to come here to Restoration LA. We're going to pray up. We're going to equip. We're going to go out in groups. It might not be twos. It might be threes and fours, but we're calling it two-by-two because that's biblical. And we're going to go into our community and we're going to share Jesus with this community. And this is, it, it might feel old school. And you're like, are we going to do door knocking? Yeah, maybe. Yep. Or just might have some chance encounters. And, and, and my hope is, listen, friends, is we are going to build a culture at Restoration LA to equip saints to know that they are missionaries every day. And what you catch in the culture of our life of our church you're going to take into your world and you're going to take it to your workplace, to your families, to your neighborhood, and to your community. And then we're not going to keep a list of who showed up and who didn't and shame anyone. But friends, I'm telling you right now, this is serious. And, and the, the, the spouse values versus the embodied values, we can't just talk about it anymore. We send. RLA sends. We, we, we're planting churches, right? We, January. Um, the Patricks are planting into, into Huntsville, Alabama. We have Apostolic Ministry, Linton and Val right now are in Guadalajara, Mexico. They've ministered to over 250 men in one day, in 16 hours. 250 men, salvation, uh, healing. They're, they're seeing it right now in Mexico. There's ministries happening right now. Um, but it's more than that. It's more than just sending elders and, and the, the, the apostolic team. We are the sent ones. We are the sent ones. Will we be the sent ones? You guys, please stand with me. Lord, thank you for choosing us. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for not rejecting us. Lord, thank you for giving us a message that is powerful. A message that has, has held its weight since the beginning of time. You desire an intimacy with us as a church, as a people, as a creation. And asking us to invite others into this beautiful family that you call the church. Lord, I pray that we will be the most obedient people on the planet. 
Lord, I pray that even though we might be fearing, Lord, that that will not affect how we faith this out. Lord, may this good news rest on our tongue like the greatest news that we have ever experienced in the world. May we be louder than any lottery ticket winner, than any, any freshly uh, uh, engaged couple, Lord, any, Lord, all the great, wonderful news that we have as, as uh, earth, earthly news on this planet. May this news trump it all because it is good and it is eternal. Jesus, we love you. Send us, God. You asked in Scripture, who will go for us? Who will we send? And Lord, I pray that for every saint in this room that is hearing this good news today, we'll say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Holy Spirit, blow in power. Give us words when we have no words. Give us authority. Signs, wonders will accompany us. Lord, unleash it all. Unleash it all. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you love Jesus, say amen. Awesome. All right. Hey, um, so if you're wondering why I went a little bit long, it's because we're serving cake, and I didn't want you guys to miss it. So we, we, we got some cake for everyone to celebrate Macy's um, dedication day. So if you don't like cake, um, please hang and celebrate with us. We, uh, we're excited about what Jesus is doing with us and for her, and you are all a huge part of that. So thank you guys so much. We love you. Have a great week, and uh, hey, we'll talk to you guys. So see you tonight, 6 p.m. Thanks, man.